Cardini's Media. That was some vintage championship. A preposterously dramatic final round, eventually ending with the Baggies beating the Bees to the second automatic promotion place, with Swansea sneaking into the top six, and Hull, Charlton, and probably Wigan going down as Barnsley pull off die Grosse Flucht. And a word for the flops from Forest? The word being abysmal. This is the Totally Football League show. How was that for an end-of-season tear-up slash tear-up then? Incredible. Uh, It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, by the way, forced by contractual obligation to climb out of my pity hole and reunite with my EFL experts to talk you through that unforgettable Wednesday night in the Championship. With me this week, a stalwart of the Football League in his playing days, now close to equaling the amount of broadcast outlets he works for with the number of clubs he played for, is old Terry Ten Teams himself, Sam Parkin. Good afternoon, Matt. How are you? Not good, Sam. Not good. Uh, <laughs> All these years of um, Nottingham Forest disposing of QPR—that's me getting my little bit of my own back, isn't it? Okay, thanks, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> joining Sam, off referred to on another show as a tactical analyst. If you heard him break down the intricacies of a post-match buffet on this pod a few weeks back, you know there are plenty more strings to his bow. It's only Adrian Clark. Hello. Uh, what a night, hey? One, one to remember, right, Matt? Mm, or to forget, depending on your allegiances. Um, enough with the pleasantries, though. Let's get on with the football. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Come again with Brewster trying his luck from Ranger. What a goal! Struck it from distance. And the keeper can only clutch it there. Swansea City leading by one goal to nil. Can't get it through to Brewster, who opened the scoring. Seems like a long time ago now. But Gallagher hangs up a teasing cross. It's in! It's incredible! And all eyes now on the City grounds. It's McLean. It's two against two. Tom in streaking through. James McLean to round things off. Oh, it's an own goal! Nuno da Costa puts through his own net. And what a dramatic night it's been at the city ground. Swansea City join Cardiff after the most dramatic of finishes on the final day of the season. Nottingham Forest are the side who incredibly miss out. Cabano floating one and into the back of the net. And the championship table changes dramatically again. Heartbreaking stuff for Wigan Athletic. And the Hatters have a potentially crucial penalty kick. James Collins for Luton Town, and that might save them. And it goes away by the head of Berry. And Luton Town, against all the odds, with Nathan Jones back in charge, have done it. Woodrow sends it across. And it's put away! Extraordinary! Adoa has scored in injury time and Barnsley have given themselves a fighting chance of staying up here! Look at these scenes! Have you ever seen anything like this? Barnsley have pulled off the Yeah, I think uh, this is a, so uh, a special feeling right now. I can see the emotion in your eyes. I mean, take a moment. I, I think you're. I have so a big heart for my boys. Sorry, I have. No, no. The moment I have no, no please take a moment. It's a special, special moment. We work so hard for this the last few months. And I always believe in that, that we can stay in the league. And now it's reality. I am so happy. I am so proud with my boys. Headlines. Leeds are champions and celebrated in style by thumping Charlton. 
West Brom just about secured second place. They could only draw against QPR, but Brentford lost to Barnsley. Into League One go Hull and Charlton for sure, and Wigan subject to appeal. And there was drama aplenty in the race for the top six. The playoff places eventually going to Brentford, Fulham, Cardiff and Swansea after Forrest showed admirable commitment to their desire to be in the EFL forever. Off the pitch, Wigan's administrators have chosen their preferred bidder to take over the club, but we still don't know when we'll find out the outcome of their appeal against the 12-point deduction, which, as it stands, will send them down. Word is the appeal will be heard on the 31st of July. Lads, the season ended on Wednesday. Uh, The EFL still need to decide on what, if any, action will be taken against Derby County and Sheffield Wednesday. Again, lads, the season is finished. Before going into the specifics of the last round, where does Wednesday night rank in the annals of great last days uh, for you, Sam and Adrian? For me, it's at the very bottom. How about you, Adrian? <laughs> I, I was glued to it. I, I really was. It was very, very exciting. And and just just throughout the course of the 90 minutes, so many positions changed, didn't they, at the top and, and bottom? I thought I thought it had just about everything so yeah no really really exciting sat on my sofa following the action um and obviously yeah not not emotionally invested in anyone involved in it was kind was kind of nice as well same situation for you sam wasn't it obviously you've got a, a vested interest in qpr but you knew that they weren't going up or down so you could just put your feet up and, and enjoy the drama presumably yeah it was really good fun uh obviously we were exchanging a few texts about how we were going about it in terms of our setup at home and I I went for QPR West Brom on the on the telly and um it wasn't until Clarkie said that Jeff Stelling was on absolute fire that I switched over and it, it was just brilliant. Even my girlfriend enjoyed it. And we had a really nice dinner last night, but I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly how it went down because I can't really recall. I was so uh, glued to the to the football. Um no, it was brilliant. And I think as we reached the tail end of the games, I was anticipating maybe Wigan scoring or maybe Brentford overturning the, the deficit. I mean, you couldn't have guessed that Barnsley were going to be the team to score last minute and then cue the, uh, the big massive pile on at Griffin Park. So <laughs> brilliant finish. Yeah, fantastic. That, that, that might just be a world record pylon, mightn't it? I mean, that was <laughs> that was outstanding and I certainly wouldn't have wanted to have been on the bottom of that. I it would have been fun and then I would have definitely started to panic. <laughs> Old Struber's jeans disappeared. I saw them. There was a flash of his like <laughs> denim and then they just disappeared underneath some of the subs. <laughs> uh, we'll get to Barnsley soon enough, but we'll start our look back at the top. We thought we were in for a great night of toing and froing, especially when both Brentford and West Brom went behind. But in truth, Brentford never really made a race of it. West Brom did just enough, drawing 2-2 with QPR. Uh, The Baggies been in the top two since the end of September. So, Sam, you've got to say they deserve it on merit, despite that late wobble which saw them fail to win any of their last four. Yeah, of course. I think the neutrals are a little bit disappointed that it's not Brentford because there's the story with the new stadium and they've really excited everyone in the last few weeks and everyone's been glued to the fixtures and everyone's seen... And the free-flowing Brentford that have been on a scintillating run. But yeah, I mean, West Brom have stuttered over the line. Three points from the last four games. They won't believe their luck this morning. I thought it was a decent performance last night. I thought QPR's shape actually caused them a a lot of problems. I'm still scratching my head as to who was playing up front for QPR. Um, It was a very fluid uh, front three. It looked to me as if I say Samuel was the the furthest forward and and Chair was roaming around and, and we know how good Eze is. So... They were worked hard. Uh, big call from Bilic going with Callum Robinson up top, but obviously the central striker has not been producing. I think they've just had the two goals from that position since the restart. So he got his goal. And and yeah, I mean, credit to them ultimately. They've been one of the two best sides in the division. And I'm pleased to see Bilic back in the, in the Premier League and hopefully he can put together a competitive side and, and keep them there. We don't want to see West Brom up and down, up and down, hopefully in the next decade like they have been. So West Bromwich Albion are back in the Premier League. Only seems right to get the thoughts of Steve Maidley, West Brom reporter for The Athletic. Steve, how was the um, in-stadium experience last night? Was it as, as fraught with nerves as it looked to be on the TV? Yeah, it, it was. It was It was like no, nothing I've ever experienced before. And I think the, the nerves were just exacerbated almost by the lack of the, the lack of crowd. You could kind of... I don't know. You, you felt you felt closer to the players because because there was only kind of them and a few of us in the, in the stadium, 
and you could hear all of the, all of the sh shouts on the sidelines and all the shouts on on the pitch, and then the silence in that that, that couple of minutes between the game finishing and, and the Brentford game finishing was just like a proper silence, as opposed to the the the, the murmur that that you would get in normal circumstances. It was yeah, the whole evening was kind of crazy and mad and, and bizarre all, all at the same time. <laughs> and these jitters have, have been a recurring theme in, in recent weeks from Albion. They've been so consistent for the rest of the season. Is that just a, a sign of them being so close to the finishing line and, and within touching distance of the Premier League, it was always going to affect them a little bit? I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you, you, you've got to have real kind of nerves of steel not to fit, not to feel it a bit. And I, I think all, all of us who followed them all season certainly felt it. They've gone up without. Uh, without um, winning any of their last four games, I think I, I, I think I'm right in saying it's, it's been a long week. Um, but um, <laughs> ultimately, they've been in the top two, I believe, since um, late September, uh, early early October. And e- at no point, even last night, did they, did they actually drop out of the top two. Although it seemed like like it was on a on a knife edge for, for a while. So I think I think to to, to suggest that, that that they've been lucky over the course of the season would be really churlish, churlish and, and unfair. Um, but clearly. The nerves have got, have got to them uh, a little bit over, over the last few weeks since lockdown, but that's that's where the big league that, that they had beforehand has really come into its own, and obviously they, they worked hard and, and earned that lead, and uh, it's benefited them in the end. Slaven Bilic said managing in the Championship was on his bucket list. He's only been in there for a season. How, how impressed have you been with him over the course of the campaign? Because it's not easy for, for a manager to come into such a unique division having having never been in charge of a team in it before. It's, it's not. I mean, he's it, it, been hugely impressive over, over the whole piece. I mean, again, you could point to, th- to things that he's done and, and, and decisions he's made in the, in the last few weeks since, since lockdown and maybe, maybe question... The odd substitution, maybe question the odd team selection. There have been times when he's looked a little bit manic, perhaps on the on the touchline, and maybe that, that that's transmitted itself to the to the players. But again, for him, it was it was a totally new situation. He's, he's never be, been a manager in a, t- a team chasing promotion to such a, a lucrative league as the Premier League, so he had no no experience to, to draw on of that particular situation. But over the whole season, to Take on a club that that was fairly crushed um, after the the playoff defeat to Aston Villa at the, at the end of last season, to rebuild a squad when they lost so many key play, key players who, with Premier League experience, to replace forty six goals um, in in total between Dwight Gale and Jay Rodriguez um, without really recruiting a, a, a anyone who turned out to be a regular a regular goal scorer, and to be in the top two for so long in a crazy league like the Championship it's a, it's a hell of a managerial feat um, even allowing for maybe the odd, uh, the odd questionable moment in, in the last two, three weeks In terms of, of next season is Billich going to have to do much surgery to the squad to, to keep them competitive in the Premier League? Obviously a, f- a few of the key players have been loanees this season so unless they could be turned into permanent deals there's going to, going to need to be some purchases made but, but generally across, across the squad is, is it pretty well balanced do you think? Uh, there will need to be some uh, some some changes, uh, without a doubt. Like I say, the uh, the lone players, as it stands, uh, c- certainly Grady Dean Garner and Callum Robinson. I think the the intention at the moment is for the, uh, those two players to to return to West Ham and Sheffield United respectively. Although that could obviously change uh, over the, over the coming weeks. You mentioned surgery. There won't be major surgery on the squad because the funds just won't be there to uh, conduct uh, major surgery. Uh, they've already committed to. To sign in Mateus Pereira um, for just over eight million pounds, which looks like a, a real steal given the, the way he's done it in, in the in the Championship. I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Filip Kravinovic also follows him and and signs a permanent deal. They're going to have to replace Chris Brunt, who's leaving. They're going to have to replace Gareth Barry, who's a, a, almost certain to leave as well. So I think, um, I mean, in, in an ideal world, if if money if money was no was no object, they'd, they'd probably be looking to really tra- really transform the squad and. Bring in six, seven, eight new players, but I don't, I don't see that happening with the budget that, that they're going to have. And in a way, those those players um, have earned a earned the right to have a go at the Premier League, and also they've formed a real kind of togetherness, which hopefully will will take them a long way. So I think in reality, you put, you, you're probably looking at a small number of, of quality additions rather than major surgery to the squad. Steve Maley, West Brom reporter for the Athletic, there.
So they go up in second behind Leeds, who lifted the championship trophy on Wednesday night. Back in the Premier League, it's tough to argue that they don't deserve it, finishing 10 points clear of second place. Adrian, do you think that there needs to be a big overhaul of their squad next season? They've all bought into the Bielsa methodology. And, and I guess if you if you did bring in five or six new players, you've got to get them into that way of thinking. So although you look at it and think, mm, Patrick Bamford, is he going to do it in the Premier League? Well, can you get somebody else in, in the short gap between this season ending and next season starting, and educate them in Bielsaism? Well, if, if Bielsa signed five new players tomorrow, he wouldn't play them till November, would he? <laughs> knowing, knowing him and, and the way he likes to integrate his players he, he definitely is, is not one for radical change so, so it's hard to know what, what they'll do I think they need an injection at both ends of the pitch of, of real quality I think maybe a new keeper definitely someone to, to replace Ben White if, if Brighton do the sensible thing on their part and, and bring him back to the Amex and, and then at the top end of the pitch yeah but Bamford for me is a championship level striker. I know we said that about Abraham before, but um, I think he could score the odd goal in the Premier League. Of course he could, but but yeah, I, th- I think a, a Premier League ready front man. But I don't I don't see major changes elsewhere because the players are so well versed in in Bielsa ball, and I think he will he will exhaust this group of players for as long as he can. It may be that that yeah that 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 turns out to be a mistake and he has to make big changes in the January window but but let's let's see this team is a very good one and I think that even if he went with this group they would probably still avoid relegation. Uh, Sam it's difficult to think of a, a manager who's had a bigger impact in such a short space of time as Bielsa he's only been there two years but but he's still yet to announce whether he's staying for next season that that's absolutely key surely. Yeah, definitely. I think everyone's really enthused about the potential of Marcel Bielsa in the Premier League. It's certainly going to dominate a lot of uh, column inches and uh, and a lot of stuff on the TV and radio in the, in the next few weeks. But yeah, he's done a, a brilliant job to refocus them after the disappointment of the, the Derby game. Uh, obviously, I think surprised us a little bit. We felt there'd probably be a bit of a hangover from that, but and also to maintain the the focus, the, the fitness levels. When you consider that they've been playing for near on a year now with the preseason program as well, on top of that from last year, um, whatever they did during the lockdown uh, has paid off enormously. I mean, seven wins from the last eight games is is incredible, um, giving them the opportunity to play a few of the younger players in in the games. Um, Shackleton I saw coming in and getting a really good goal I think he's one that's going to be big for them in the future and yeah I concur with Adrian really um, he's used the loan market well so he'll probably look at that again uh, Harrison Costa spring to mind obviously Ben White so players that have been playing at a good level competitively in the Premier League maybe bit part players in the Premier League or top championship players just to bolster the 11 that he's got but it's not going to be wholesale changes like an Aston Villa or a Fulham. He'll go with what he believes in. And I'm sure if they can go some way to emulate what Sheffield United have done, they could surprise a hell of a lot of people next season. All right, so that's the top two. We'll head down to the bottom end of the table after this brief interlude. This is the Totally Football League show with Matt Davis-Adams. Listen to it totally ad-free on The Athletic. So going down then, it's Hull, Charlton and Wigan as it stands with Barnsley and Luton earning last day wins to keep them in the championship. Uh, we'll start with Luton. What a turnaround by Nathan Jones. Just one defeat in nine since he was reappointed. Um, Sam, what is it you think he's done that, that Graham Jones couldn't? Was was that familiarity just a big part of it? Positivity, organisation, motivated the players. I don't think there's anything more complex than that. If you look at maybe the team from last night and the last few outings, back to the familiarity, as you say, Matt, in terms of some of his old trusted lieutenants and the same shape. But to be honest, I just thought that Graham Jones was a little bit negative, especially in the way he spoke to the press. And I didn't think the players were particularly buying into his methods and the supporters certainly weren't on board. And I know they didn't play a big part last night, the supporters, but yeah, I think just that that feel-good factor and uh, and motivation is what I've seen from the Luton players. And 
in truth, second best last night. I mean, how they've managed to win that game. I thought Blackburn were, were very good in, in what I've seen. Two absolute flukes and um, a penalty kick from, from Collins. So well done. Yeah, when you looked at the fixtures, I felt there was going to be enough there for Luton. However, having lost 5-0 at Reading, uh, sorry, at home to Reading, they've shown enormous character. And Nathan Jones, along with Paul Hart and, and Mick Harford, have to take a lot of credit for that. Adrian, this is redemption for, for Nathan Jones, isn't it? Because he left under a cloud and, and that was all quite messy with the supporters, etc. He's come back and, and completely repaired his reputation. Of course he has, yeah. Um, energy, I think he's brought. and Positive energy. That Yeah, it's, I absolutely endorse what Sam was saying. It, it makes such a difference, that enthusiasm. And yeah, I suppose it's redemption, but... Really, did he do that much wrong? He got offered a job at a, a significantly bigger club. I don't think that's the the crime of the century. He, he was heroic in in taking Luton to to where they were before his departure, and and he's arguably been even more heroic in the way that he saved their championship status. Let's move on to Barnsley then. Fair to say none of us saw them staying up. Brentford away looked pretty much like the worst fixture they could have had for the final game, yet they won at Griffin Park. They picked up 15 points from nine games since the restart. Despite that, they only moved out of the bottom three for the first time since September in the 91st minute on Wednesday. Uh, Benny Berger has tweeted us with a very pertinent question. McQueen or Struber in the great escape? Uh, Sam, how impressed are we with Gerhard? Absolutely loved his post-match interview, but um, he's on the pitch. He's, he's organised them and, and got them playing in a way which just looked impossible before the restart. Yeah, the, the nick they were in, the individual errors defensively a shambles. I remember being up there just prior to the, the change being made and they were all over the place defensively. So, listen, I, I think he, he settled on a system, obviously the, the three at the back, uh, four across the middle, and he's kind of done it without a proper holding midfield player. There's not much steel there at all. Moet's been brilliant the last few weeks and, and Ritzmeier alongside him is more of a passer. So I think he's just kind of got the players he likes uh, and getting them on the pitch. I mean, Jordan Williams playing, playing left centre-back as well. I think some of these players, you wouldn't automatically think that they could excel in these positions, but they they have done. And their intensity without the ball, I think, surprised Brentford last night and, and forced them into going a little bit longer as well. Uh, and the other thing that's gone in their, their favour the last few games is it's made some absolutely inspired substitutions. You think back to um, the, the Blackburn game, Ludwig for, for Chaplin, a goal that I think we, we spoke about. Schmidt, obviously, against Forrest late on. And then last night, the two substitutes combining for the, for the winning goal. So he's done a brilliant job. Loads of young players who will be so better for the experience of getting regular minutes in the championship. And... Yeah, need to keep hold of the manager, the the players that have gained that experience and add next season and um, hopefully they can have a better time. But it deserves enormous credit. Been in the relegation zone every week since September the 15th, which just <laughs> says it all. We battered Barnsley, didn't we, for, for, for the Stendhal decision. And, and I stand by it. He's he, a good manager, but but this is a great appointment, isn't it? Struber is... Has has been has been outstanding. I think they I think they've got themselves at one of the a really progressive coach that that the players clearly love. It's all about that enthusiasm again, isn't it? And and the players buying in to to the method to the manager and, and believing in him, keeping going until the end of games. Quite remarkable, really. Um, yeah, but I guess when you when Schmidt scored that that late winner against Forest, that that gave them such an impetus going into the the Brentford game and. Yeah, it, it, it's some story. You just hope. Obviously, you see that you see those celebrations and amazing celebrations. But but I'm torn. I'm conflicted because really that they were still in the bottom three. It's Wigan that that, that have gone down via non-footballing reasons for now at least. You do wonder if Wigan were to win that appeal. And personally, I hope I hope that they do because they don't deserve relegation, then that would condemn Barnsley. And you'd feel, you'd feel gutted for them and for Struber based on, on, on the way that they have saved themselves in quote marks. It's a really odd situation. I think the EFL should hang their heads in shame, really, that, that this isn't sorted at this stage. 
Yeah, absolutely. So Wigan down for the moment. Hole two, I think we all saw that one coming, um, only really got themselves to blame. Off the pitch issues proving too big to overcome for them. Same can be said for Charlton and Wigan, who've had pretty much everything go against them. Um, Therefore, not a surprise that they're back in League One, I guess. Lee Bowyer on TalkSport on Thursday, absolutely distraught. Can't sign anyone. They're under embargo, says he's got players walking out of the door. We've been talking about what, what a mess it is off the pitch, Sam, at, uh, at the Valley all season. And that comes home to roost with, with relegation and something which, which really the manager can't take much, if any, of the blame for, can he? I don't think so. I think some of the supporters who are maybe particularly tough on the on the, the style of play or the, the, the personnel could maybe make a case for a, a couple of things that Lee Bowie has done wrong in the last few weeks, but you'd be nitpicking and on the face of it, you have to look at what goes above, goes on above pitch level. It's been nothing short of a shambles. The, the new ownership has just been a disaster from the first minute, really. So it's obviously had a knock-on effect. Um, you know, why would you... Ultimately, if you were a player, a successful player in a championship and you had the opportunity to move on uh, and look to, uh, to, to play a trade somewhere else, you'd have to consider it because of the way the club is run. So that's going to be in the back of the minds of the likes of Lyle Taylor and, uh, and other players maybe who are going to potentially walk out now. Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm skirting around it a little bit because the bottom line is if they had someone to score goals, they would have been nowhere near the predicament they went into that game last night. So I'm not blaming Lyle Taylor. I'm giving you the the, the facts. Um, they've missed so many chances in the games uh, recently. And the nail in the coffin was the last-minute goal from Jukovic in the Birmingham game. A game where Charlton were 1-0 to the good, should have been streets ahead of, of Birmingham in that game, considering the quality of chances that they missed. And pegged back in the last minute, Wigan at home was always going to be a dreadful fixture considering their form and then Leeds away who would have been so motivated to win last night before the trophy lift. So yeah, the, the writing was on the wall after that Birmingham goal and um, I hope people aren't tough on Lee Bowyer because it's been a pretty hideous time and who knows if he'll be there next year. Maybe someone will come and try and prize him away. When you have bad ownership, it does not foster loyalty among the playing staff. There's resentment. And what we saw at both Charlton and Hull, was when push came to shove, those out-of-contract players decided they would put themselves first above the club. Now, it didn't happen at other clubs where they also had out-of-contract players, I'm sure. They must have done. And they stuck to it because they were united as one. They were happy in their environment. Charlton and Hull's players won. And it's no coincidence that both had a number of guys that said, no, it's not for me. I'm leaving. I'm not part of this this running. And and I think once once the die was cast there, both clubs were were finished. Both clubs had no chance of staying up because the teams, just the spirit within the group, would have been affected too much. So look, you need good owners. And Birmingham, by the way, who 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 aren't much better, had the season ran on a week, two weeks longer, they would have joined them in the bottom three as well so so look what 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 goes on at the top filters down i'm afraid and and yeah that, that yeah charlton and harlow i wouldn't put put too much on bowie or on mccann i think they were were left high and dry by by the people above them certainly no question in the spirit at wigan um you can't help but feel for them did everything right on the pitch in 2020 but but their owners have effectively sent them down they, they would have finished in the top half but for the points deduction um I'm not sure, Adrian, about, about this appeal because the grounds that they're using is force majeure, which basically means they're blaming it on the pandemic and, and that doesn't seem to hold much water with me. So, so it looks as though it will be League One for them next season. Yeah, maybe. Um, I just, it just it stinks, doesn't it? I mean, who buys a club? Who takes ownership of a club and then puts it into administration within a few days? I mean, it's just they've been stitched up from the outside looking in. I don't know the ins and outs. I'm not a financial expert but but yeah it's um it's a disgrace and I, and I feel it's unfair really on on the Wigan fans and and everybody involved on the staff so 
Look, there's not much more to say about it. I, I, think, I think we all probably agree they don't deserve to go down. It's, I don't think it's been a bad running of the club. I don't think they've, they've cheated the system, have they, Wigan? They've just been, <laughs> they've been lumbered with an owner that didn't have the best interests of the, of the club at heart. And, and that's, in my opinion, no one's fault. So, so I, I, hope, I hope that their appeal is successful. But, but yeah, if, if, if they're blaming it on the pandemic, then I suppose it's a slightly weaker case. Although I have to say that, that there might be others that, that go into administration now blaming the same thing. Um, so, so we'll see. Sam, Wigan Athletic might not be in the Championship next season, but you'd imagine some of the players currently on their books will be. There have been four, five, six standout players over, over recent weeks and they will be attracting interest. And obviously Wigan need to raise money to stay in business. Yeah, I mean, it looks like the wholesale has started already. I think a young player's moved to Brighton this morning. There's obviously strong links with Kiefer Moore with QPR and Millwall, I think, but there might be a number of clubs, maybe even higher up the, the championship that would take a punt on Kiefer Moore, considering his form in the latter part of the season. He's a you know he's a full international now and has played relatively well for Wales as well in, in recent games. And, and off to the perfect start last night. As I touched on earlier, it looked like it was going to be possibly Wigan that were going to have the last say, the late say uh, yesterday. Rodak made a, a brilliant oh, save. They, they yeah. spurned a few opportunities and it, it looked brilliant on the old um, midweek a soccer special end to end like a game of basketball given what was at stake but those players can hold their heads so high as can the manager and yeah it's a it's an absolute disgrace as Adrian says I mean this fit and proper person's test I mean it needs ripped up it needs ripped up this morning and it needs a complete revamp because it's so tough on those players who've done brilliantly I can't someone would correct me on this but I can't remember a team that have been so dominant in the second half of the season so away from trouble to be penalised in this fashion so um, yeah a number of them like I touched on a few weeks administrator's job of course is to recoup money and to, to balance the books and a number of the players are going to be off and while we're on that I mean Derby Sheffield Wednesday well I mean what's going on what's going on it's the season's finished we've had teams celebrating we've had teams teams you know absolutely devastated at going down yet there's still uncertainty over over their face it's it's a joke i don't i don't yeah, know november what, what they're waiting for it's, november it's, Sheffield it's, Wednesday it's, unaccept- we're charged with. it's unacceptable it really is and um yeah I, it, I, I don't know what the answer is because it's their competition but but the people running it you know they, they, they need to look at themselves we shall see what happens. 31st of July is the date slated for, for Wigan's appeal, but whether we actually hear the verdict of that then, uh, we'll just have to wait and see. All right, we'll look at the playoffs next. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is the Totally Football League show with Matt Davis-Adams. OK, playoff section. Uh, just call me Marshawn Lynch for this bit. I'm here so I won't get fined. 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 I'm just here so I won't get fined. Uh, On paper, it looked like Cardiff had the easiest assignment in terms of securing their top six place, and that's how it turned out as they swept aside Hull. So it became all about Swansea and Forest. Not that it should have. Swansea needed to win. Hope Forest lost at home to Stoke. Stoke. And have a six-goal swing in their favour. Swansea got a helping hand after Mate was sent off for Reading, but they still needed to pile on the goals, and boy, did they. Wayne Routledge off the bench at the break with a brace as it finished 4-1. Uh, remember, this is Steve Cooper's first season as a manager of a club side. His Swans take the momentum into their playoff semi with Brentford. Andre Ayew summing things up nicely on Twitter. He said, What a feeling, two exclamation marks. Heart emoji, white circle emoji, black circle emoji. Jack Army, it's for you, fist bump emoji, two exclamation marks. It's never over when there's hope. Keep believing and never give up, exclamation mark. Thank you, at Wayne Routledge, for the football emoji, football emoji, dot, dot. Now time to get ready for the playoffs, dot, dot, dot. Praise emoji, fist bump emoji. Um, He said it better than... (laughs) We ever could. I like a fist bump emoji. I, I've been. Some people get confused by it. They think I'm trying to hit them, but it's clearly it's clearly just a biff, isn't it? It's it's, it's a friendly, friendly fist bump. 
I haven't heard Biff since uh, <laughs> since I got the, uh, the last edition of the Dandy delivered to my house in 1989. Can't be a good uh, Biff, can you, Sam? <laughs> great. Speaking of getting biffed, that was what Forrest did. But let's talk about Swansea for a bit first. Um, I seem to remember, Adrian, you actually predicted they might make the playoffs some time ago. <sighs> yeah, that, look, I appreciate, I appreciate you bringing that back up. That's, that's very kind of you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I saw something in them. I, I loved the work that they did in the window um, with, with Conor Gallagher and, and Rian Brewster coming in, Gwee as well. And, and just, uh, yeah, I just thought tactically Steve Cooper got it right more often than he got it wrong. And, just felt like something was was brewing there, but but yeah, hand on heart, it was it was a bit of a bit of a punt on them, but but yeah, fantastic and great spirit from them in the game and and Routledge last night proved that he still got it. What a servant he's been, by the way, for the Swans down the years, still contributing and and and, and the goal. I mean, wow, what a run, what a touch, and then with the second touch to lob the keeper on the volley. I, I just thought that was something really really special and and, and on Swan on, on that recruitment clearly we all I think we all were aware that Rian Brewster was a, was a special talent but Conor Gallagher it was quite a quite a ballsy move on their part to effectively steal him from Charlton and and boy was it worth worth going all out for him and and, and as for Conor and, and and Chelsea actually you, you can't say they didn't make the right call yeah, Sam, that, the appointment of Steve Cooper obviously looks a really shrewd one now, but particularly when you think that the fact that he had worked with Conor Gallagher and Rian Brewster and Mark Gurhey when he was uh, managing the England under-17s, it just shows that, that it's it's a canny move because not only is he a very good coach, but he's got the connections that means that, that big clubs in the Premier League will trust him with the development of their players. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's been all too evident in the last few weeks. Um just going back to what we were speaking about earlier, I mean, what a miss Gallagher's been for Charlton as well. You put him back in Charlton's team, uh, along with Taylor and Lecco. Uh, that's another reason for their for their demise. But yeah, I mean, it's obviously been Swansea's gain. I think they've changed the system as well, mm-hmm. Cooper has, since the draw at, at Millwall. Gone to the, the three at the back, three four one two. Gallagher being the one. And they've had much better results, especially defensively, actually. Um, just the eight goals conceded in the nine games. Previously, 14 they'd shipped in the nine games before lockdown. So ultimately, I think that change has been pivotal in this. Last night, Cooper, really bullshit. I don't think Vanderhorn covered himself in glory the way that he got um, the Reading player sent off, but he was whipped at halftime. Routledge, the hero, comes on, went a lot more attacking and stuck to their principles. And that's what the Swansea fans want to see and I think Steve Cooper's been bringing that slowly and rather than slamming the ball in the box and sticking centre-halves up front they kept playing kept probing and good teams do that only takes a second to score a goal even when you're deep in the game and um, the quality of the goals Cullens was, was fantastic and obviously Gallagher's little pick out for, for Routledge was a beautiful intricate bit of play at a real mm. desperate time so credit them for that and Adrian texted me last night and said they'll fancy Brentford. And even though they've been beaten heavily a couple of times, this new, more solid looking Swansea, definitely in the, the frame of mind that Brentford are in, it should be a, a really attractive game. Um, Producer Abby tells me we've got to talk about Forrest and their capitulation <laughs> against Stoke, which, which nicely summed up how the two-time European champions have been playing since the restart. Well-placed to have a proper go at the turn of the year. Absolutely dreadful recruitment in January, uh, over-reliance on Lewis Graben, and this is what happens. But even then, my my microphone just fell over then because I was so upset. <laughs> Keep that in. <laughs> Throw something. Burn <laughs> uh, um, the shirt. Yeah. Uh, Adrian, I've been spending the last <laughs> however many hours trying to, trying to come up with some sort of justification mm. slash explanation what happened? Make, make me feel better just, if you can. Uh, just tremendous banter from from Nottingham <laughs> Forest. Con- congratulate them. They, you know, they they help make the championship what a great league it is, and and it's 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 great of them to to want to stick around at that level of the game. So um, so now that I, I, they choked, definitely that's that that's a factor. I think the points you make are, are, de- are definitely correct. It was um, they didn't do enough in January to bolster their their most obvious 
shortcomings. I think that Sabri Lamucci has to take a, a little bit of, of stick here for the way that he treated the, the Barnsley game. Um, I mean, the changes that he made, I know that one or two of the players weren't 100% in the red zone, whatever, however you want to describe it, but to change the system and to, to leave some star men on the bench has to be considered a momentum killer from from him was he was he te- was he was he resting on his laurels a little bit but yeah it's um embarrassing isn't it for for the players and it's going to be really hard for them to to come back from i think especially with the short turnaround he he was devastated wasn't he at the end lamushi and, and and um you know some of the some of the things he was saying was was so um forlorn really and he hasn't got long to, to lift the players and get them up for, for the new season. And of course, he's, he has signed a new contract, hasn't he? Um, yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So he, he is there, I assume, for for the duration. He's got to pick himself up quickly and rouse the players to go again. It's, it's going to be a real challenge. I do think tactically, they're a bit of a one-trick pony this season. Really good organisation for the most part. But, but I think they needed a gear change. They needed something else for when teams sussed them out and teams were sussing them out more often towards the end of that campaign. Sam Forrest has spent the past decade chopping and changing managers and, and got absolutely nowhere, just as they haven't for the last 20 years, in fact. Uh, the general consensus among supporters seems to be that, that Sabri should stay. Uh, would you concur with that? Yeah, but I agree with Adrian. It's going to be an incredible test of the character especially with a short turnaround. I mean, how on earth do they get their heads around that and start the season uh, positively as Leeds did last year? I think that's going to be incredibly difficult. But yeah, of course, I think he's shown enough to stick with him, but he has to take some stick today. I mean, it's not the first time. Rewind three or four months ago, we bemoaned his changes against Charlton. Do you remember that in the Mm, the wake of mm. the Leeds victory? Yeah. Um, we why is he changing the fullbacks? They lost that game. He's underestimated the teams in the bottom half of the table. They've lost twelve games this season, nine against bottom half teams. That that, yeah. that shows it all. And on your points, Matt, fifty eight goals they've scored. That's one more than than Hull City, who are bottom of the table. So the over reliance on on Graben and Lolly has come back to to really bite them. I think he's got one in the last seven Graben. But let's not kid ourselves that. This all started, this all happened last night. The Malays started well before lockdown. I think after that Leeds game, they took six points from 18 and they've taken three from a possible 18 in recent weeks. So it didn't just fall apart last night, even though it was very comical in the, in the way that the season's ended. <laughs> you know what? I, I Normally I love this job, but that was not the most fun section of the podcast that we've ever done. Um, let's have a look at the at the playoffs and, and pick some winners. Swansea Brentford Sunday at six thirty, and then Monday night is Cardiff versus Fulham. The reverse fixtures are played next week on Wednesday and Thursday. Could potentially have a, an all South Wales final. Adrian, if you, if I forced you to to pick the two teams to to meet at Wembley now, who would you go for? Oh, it, really hard. Um, Brentford Cardiff. I think. I think Brentford had the measure of Swansea in the two meetings. It's right that they've changed the system and, and it'll be a different Swansea and, and a, a mentally scarred Brentford. But but I still think Brentford are, are the best team in the playoffs. And and I think Cardiff have the most momentum going into the playoffs. Um, so yeah, Brentford and Cardiff for me. How about you, Sam? Yeah, I'd have to go with Brentford because quite comfortable in the, in the league games, although... They won't be feeling particularly great this morning in huge contrast to the Swansea lads. Ah, oh, Fulham Cardiff's really difficult. I mean, I've been really impressed with Cardiff when I've seen them in the flesh and Fulham for 45 minutes against Sheffield Wednesday the other day. Uh, if you think about what me and Adrian have been saying about Fulham in the last few weeks, how dull they've been. <laughs> yeah, My yeah, God. You were there, weren't you? What, what a change. What a change. <laughs> yeah. and I, I, Scott Parker made five changes. So he, he'd obviously felt it had gone. The, the opportunity for automatic promotion. Knockout played an almost free role. There was rotation. Cyrus Christie was playing as a, a right winger and other players were filling in. It was it was type of movement that I've not seen from Fulham all season. And I think maybe Scott Parker worked on something in, in training and I'm not saying he's going to utilise 
this during the playoffs. Um, they may revert to type and be solid and, you know, try and see out games narrowly. But yeah, I saw something from Fulham which excited me. So if they can bring that to the table, I'll go for them just to edge out Cardiff, although I like Cardiff and I think Neil Harris is doing a, a sterling job. So West London derby for me in North West London. Mm. Nice, that would be good too. Right, okay, Abby, put a little sting or something in. I'm going to have a quick cry and then we'll wrap up the show. Right, let's see what our friends at William Hill have got to say about the playoffs in terms of the numbers. Abby, who's the favourite to go up? It will come as no surprise that Brentford are the favourites. They're 6-4. to four. It's followed by Fulham 9-4, to four, Cardiff 7-2 to two, and Swansea 9-2. to two. So it's in the order that they are in the table. However, when we look at the matches themselves, William Hill cannot separate Cardiff and Fulham. They're both 17-10 to 10 to win their match. Uh, as for Swansea and Brentford, Brentford are the favourites 5-4, to four, whereas Swansea 12-5. to five. Thank you, Abby. Right, time for some much-needed light relief in the form of our weekly quiz. Is Parky in the darky and has Clarky lost his sparky? Uh, a question for each pundit on their playing career. Sam, you've not done well at this, uh, let's be frank. So you're going to go first this week and I've given you what can only be described as an easy question. So I'm expecting I won last night, answer. Matthew. I won last week, sorry. Did you? You said you're, Paul Tisdale. You're in a haze. You're in a haze. Yeah, OK. All right. Look, I'm giving you an easy question. So I'd just say thanks, Matt. Um, and we can move on okay in September 2003 you were part of the Swindon team who scored two late goals to beat Peterborough at the county ground you opened the scoring on 84 minutes but which player who received his third Premier League winners medal this week added the second in stoppage time that was a very young James Milner yeah well done it was you're right (laughs) (laughs) what was it what was he like was he a good lad he was exactly as you see now Adrian he was very determined, professional. I think we probably tried to get him up to Old Town for a few shandies and he declined. I think he used to knock about in the cricket club in Leeds. Um, same so haircut, to, presumably. Same haircut, probably flexing a uh, uh, a black Umbro Speciale, I would, uh, <laughs> I would imagine. But he was a really creative player at that point. I remember him making quite a few opportunities for me. He had an outstanding game down at Brighton. Uh, early part of the season made a couple of goals for me but yeah just quiet and and really nice is my is my memory of him nice a uh, bit of pressure on you then Adrian to, to level up uh, here's your question we all remember your two game loan spell at Rotherham back in December 96 with fondness uh, your second oh, and final game for <laughs> <laughs> your, your second and final game for the Millers was against Notts County what I want to know is which current Premier League manager was at right back for the Magpies that day Oh, um, it's a good question. This I'm really proud of it. It's probably the best thing that that I've done this week. Oh goodness me! Premier League manager. Yeah, you can see Sam racking his brains. I, I need the question again, but I do want to steal. Oh. So, okay. <laughs> right, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat the question again, which buys you a bit of time, Clarky. Mm, uh, yeah. We all remember your two-game loan spell at Rotherham back in December '96 with fondness. Your second and final game for the Millers was against Notts County. What I want to know is which current Premier League manager was at right back for the Magpies that day? Chris Wilder. Oh, he's got it. Yes, get in, get in. Sam, would that have been your <laughs> guess, Sam? Uh, I had not started racking my brain, but I don't think I'd have got that. Yeah, I knew he was a right back and I, I've had a feeling I played against him. OK, simple question to finish for you, chaps. I want to know your best and worst final game of the season experiences. I'm talking regular here, so not playoff finals. Um, Sam, what, what's your, your best or worst memory from, from such an occasion? The worst would be my first ever year playing in the first team, which ended at me on loan at Oldham after I'd been on loan at Millwall and Wickham subsequently Oldham during the, the same season, Millwall won the league on the final day, a team I'd been a part of, beating my now Oldham Athletic 5-0 at the Den. <laughs> so it was really weird because I think I'd played 10 games as well for Millwall and Theo Pafitas still owes me a championship medal, yet I was there getting absolutely battered <laughs> and the pee taken out of me in the sunshine Neil Harris got a hat-trick. I think Stephen Reid, my pal, smashed one in the top corner. And I remember just getting back in my Volkswagen Golf and making my way back to uh, my home. Just a very sorry state of affairs. Um, the best, I don't remember ever scoring on the final day. Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd have to say my, my last appearance for Swindon. 
uh, Hartlepool at home. I'd rush back from an injury just to make sure I could play, say goodbye. I had about 20 of my mates down for the uh, the the finale in, in Swindon in terms of the nightlife. And um, I got my goal <laughs> early on and got an opportunity to say an emotional farewell. And it was a brilliant day, brilliant night and um, the, the perfect way to sign off. An emotional farewell and then straight to Tesco to buy some clothes. For the <laughs> oh, did, did you grab the mic, Ferg, Fergie style, centre circle, just, you know, no, just but, to say but a few what words? We did, uh, what, what we did is my best mate was um, uh, with me and it, it, everyone else had gone back, my, my mates to get changed at the hotel, what have you. So we were running a little bit behind. And there's a pub, if for anyone that knows, uh, the County Grand Hotel on the entrance into Swindon. And... Um, yeah, let's say it can it could probably get quite tasty in there on match day and a few unsavoury characters maybe floating about. And um, they came and got me when I was getting in my car, come in the pub, come in the pub. So I went in the pub uh, with my mate and stood there and there was yeah, hundreds of fans around and had an opportunity to say goodbye to the hardcore Swindon supporters. And amazing memory, like emotional at the time, but I think the fans really appreciated it. Um, that I actually went in there and and said good my my goodbyes to someone that um, quite a lot of Swindon fans probably give a wide berth to be honest. <laughs> Sam Parkin, man of the people. Yeah. yeah. Well, how about you, Adrian? Best and worst last day. Um, best and worst in terms of playing probably almost happened on the same day. It was two thousand and Alan Little had basically ostracised me. He'd signed players. Um, in my position and, and, and just didn't didn't want to entertain the idea of picking me and 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 I somehow got a chance on the last day of the season I was on the bench and he stuck me on against playoff chasing Cheltenham and I had one of my best 20 minutes for the club it was it was funny I, I think I knew that it was my last game for them I knew that my contract was was about to run out and I was determined to sort of go out of a bit of a bang and yeah just it was just a real fun 20 minutes and and at the end of it I, I sort of felt real warmth from the South End fans um who you know I'd always been a relatively popular player there and I think they sympathized with my with my situation and and it was really special to sort of sort of feel that from them I think we all knew that was it it was going to be a, a goodbye um, so yeah, it was it was great in one way, but also really sad in the other because I knew that was the end, and 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 it turned out to be my last game as an EFL player. So um, so yeah, that one really stands out. And, and Nathan Jones, who we spoke about during during this podcast, he he scored a, a mazy dribble to win it for us in in the last minute. So uh, yeah, it was it was a fun way to end what had been a, a horrible season, really. So yeah, there you go. That's that's football for you, ups and downs. <laughs> good anecdotes uh, next time we meet will be Friday of next week that's the 31st of July by that time we'll know which teams will be competing in the championship playoff final so we'll look ahead to that and the chaps will attempt to console me after Forrest's inevitable semi-final capitulation oh I wrote that bit on Wednesday morning it has not <laughs> aged well uh, bye for now You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. And be sure to check out our website, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Muddy Knees Media.